A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So if you were traveling, commuting on a Monday morning, on your plane, your train, your automobile, and you're expecting the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast, we apologize sincerely. We did one yesterday, uh, me, Phil and Tim, uh, where we discussed, well, what did, what did we discuss, Phil? Lots of things. We discussed England, Wales in depth with some stats from Accenture. Oh, we gave you a world exclusive on the new Bath Director of Rugby. The potential new Bath Director of Rugby. The new Bath Director of Rugby. (laughs) And Tim had his very own Miles Benjamin moment. (laughs) So let's try and revisit these in a bit more of a bite-sized pod. Uh, Hands in, pod on three, Phil. One, two, three, pod. Hello and welcome to another Egg Chasers Rugby Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB, there is no Tim, but thankfully there is a Phil. Hello Phil. Hi JB. Oh, well, what a disaster we have had. (laughs) So as you said in your little intro, um, we recorded a full podcast, an hour and 15 minutes of podcast yesterday. of hard work, toil, sweat, tears. Yes, there were some tears at one point. Um, and Tim, who was uh, preparing, packing for his flight today to New York, uh, tried to get it out, and due to a computer meltdown, I think he described it as, we have no podcast, or we lost a full podcast. This has only ever happened once before, and... It couldn't have happened at a more inconvenient time. So all of our cables are packed up for the States. Our, well, our talent, our only talent <laughs> has gone to the States. Uh, and it's just left with you and me holding the baby. And I might add that it's now 25 to 11 on Monday night because of other com- <laughs> other commitments. And this is how committed that me and JB are to actually get this podcast out. This was the only time we could do. Well, at least we've had a wonderful week of rugby. However, I would suggest that... The week's leading rugby story has nothing to do with rugby whatsoever. Yes, I think you're. I think you're probably quite right. Now, if you don't know what we're talking about, this is the ludicrous suggestion, and it seems to be annual now. There seems to be a cycle, and every time there's a big rugby tournament, like Six Nations or the World Cup, the how, how can I describe her? An awful, the uh, the awful, sexist, vile. <laughs> Uh, individual that uh, is called Alison Pollock comes up with more nonsense about rugby tackling. Maybe you should uh, lead, lead on this for a more balanced view of exactly what was said. <laughs> okay, so earlier in the week, uh, early last week, there was reported in all the major papers, um, doctors 
want to ban rugby, uh, ban rugby for under 18s well, no, in let's schools. Let's be very clear about this. They want to ban rugby because rugby without well, contact is basically netball. Now, there's nothing wrong with netball, and I would actually say netball is better than touch rugby. But rugby actually <laughs> is nothing without its contact. Uh, I'd slightly disagree on, on that point. I think it can be st- still a very good game, but it's not the same game. And you do lose a lot. There's of, a completely different game. You lose the essence. You lose the essence of rugby. So, so the the article was, doctors um, want to ban well, tackle, tackling in schools up to the age of eighteen, which <sighs> which raises well, it raises lots of lots of questions. It raises questions over the study. It also raises question over who these doctors are, because that is an issue in itself. Because. Uh, and I think they're, be- I think they're being deliberately misleading with who these doctors are. You're absolutely right. These doctors aren't medical doctors. They're PhD people. They're PhD people in stu- in subjects that shouldn't exist. For instance, sociology. This woman uh, who has come out with this initial um, initial study, if you know, for want yeah. of a better word, it isn't medically motivated at all. It's politically motivated. It's socially motivated. Whatever it is, it isn't about rugby. But here's where I come down hard on it. I don't want to go into politics of it because yeah. Tim's not here and he'd have a very different view. So all I'm going to say is this. If you take the aggression and the contact out of rugby, you're basically left with something which already exists in football or netball or something like that. And for a kid like me, when I was growing up, sorry, not a kid like me now, I'm obviously not a kid, but (laughs) as a kid growing up, that release was very important. And if I behaved the way I did on a football pitch, the way I did on a rugby pitch, I'd probably be labelled a bad kid or, you know, a a troublemaker. And it's really important that you understand that rugby is is popular because it it sort of uh, encompasses and... It, it's an outlet for these sort for this sort of behaviour. Yes, I can see that. I can see that argument. And by taking away tackling up to the age of eighteen, you remove that. You also, in my mind, you actually create additional danger because there are a few statistics on tackling, and and well, there are a few statistics on tackling. They all show that technique is the most important because it's it's often the tackler who gets hurt. Because of poor technique. Now, this is interesting, actually, because this shows me they really don't know what they're talking about. Because they keep talking about the tackler getting hurt. But they've never spoken about the tackled person getting hurt, as if that doesn't happen. They do, but from the statistics that I've seen, it's more frequently the tackler and more frequently poor technique. And my, my issue with this is if you don't tackle until you're 18, then all of a sudden you've got big big men after 18 much bigger with, imagine, with, with no technique at all imagine when you were 17 you get that first taste of senior rugby and they just drop you off oh uh, go and play with the men yes you and, uh, oh my until god that, until that point you've been touched and then all of a sudden you're thrown into the deep end it'd be a massacre it would be horrendous way more dangerous actually but, but the other, one other point from this is um there's some people saying uh, it's misguided but it's it's uh, raising an important question and something the RFU should be looking at. Well, the RFU are already looking at this. They've done extensive, oh, extensive absolutely. And world rugby. They do a huge amount of work. These people surveys. are... I think, I think it's important to note that these people are so far behind the curve. Their data is so irrelevant. It, it simply doesn't... It, it's simply out of date. And I, th- I think they're misrepresenting some of the data as well. Um, oh, 100%. Because it isn't about, about sport, it's about politics and nothing more. They're talking about a 28% chance of of uh, child injury in a game. 
which I just find as a, a bit of a nonsense. And I think there are some good articles uh, from legitimate scientists and medical professionals uh, disputing that fact. Yeah, so if you're uh, in any doubt, sociology is not a legitimate <laughs> science or a legitimate medical degree. Please do not mistake it. I, I wouldn't go quite that far. But, yeah, you would. Uh, but this this study, I think I think it's been really good, actually, because you've seen Rugby United against this study and everyone coming out and saying uh, pretty, pretty ubiquitously that this is nonsense um, and it's potentially creating more danger and doing more harm than good. So that's positive to see. I guess so. And also, if you want to see a doctor play, playing rugby, you might get the chance this weekend. You, oh, That's a great segue. Oh, who, stop it. Who needs, stop it. who needs Tim? We need Tim. <laughs> <laughs> We do need Tim. So uh, that is a great segue into the England-Wales game. Yeah, so before we go into the England-Wales game, we were contacted by Accenture, who's the official technology partner of the... Is it the RBS Six Nations still? Am I, it is. It's still the... Despite RBS having no money, it's the RBS <laughs> Six Nations still. It is. Um, and they have produced for us a... Well, what they consider... Am I right in saying this? Statistically, their best team. That's exactly what they've done. And we went to them with what we thought would be statistically our best team. Yes. Right. So, so the three of us uh, piled our heads together and we came up with one team and Accenture looked at the cold hard stats and compiled what they think is the best team. Right, okay. So let's go through what we said first. So what we said was Makovunapola. Okay. Scott Baldwin and Dan Cole, although I disagreed with those two. Right, I see. I don't remember picking any of these players. I, it's usually how this usually happens is I say something, you and Tim say something else, and that goes. So I don't know how this has happened, but go on. Uh, this was on WhatsApp, and you kind of joined in very late to yeah, the discussion. Yeah. Um, so then we've got George Cruis and Alan Wynne Jones, fairly straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Warburton and Justin Tipperick, right? Although I wanted Rob Shaw and Warburton. Okay. Uh, we've then got Billy Vanapola. Uh, an obvious choice Gareth Davis Dan Bigger George North Jamie Roberts and Jonathan Joseph Anthony Watson and Mike Brown Okay so I think that's a fairly compelling team you'd you'd argue to say that they aren't the best players out of those out of those two sides Yes yeah there's not there's some definites some you could argue a little bit So the Accenture team Fire away So um we've got from number 1 Rob Evans um, okay, uh, Rob now, Evans, the Welsh prop. The Welsh prop. Now we said Macavonipola. Now, so the difference... how on earth <laughs> have they got Rob Evans ahead of well ahead of anyone really? Well, I mean, I'm surprised he's even in the Welsh team. <laughs> Do they it, weigh offloads in the first ten minutes quite heavily? Um, well, I guess he's only against Gethin Jenkins for the Welsh team, but in terms of yeah, but even so, I mean, Gethin Jenkins in the loose is you know quite the prospect. His turnovers, tackling, his work rate. Well, so this is from this Six Nations, and it's looking at tackle all the statistics: tackles, carries, passes, uh, scrum successes, lineouts successes, kicks, all all the usual stuff. Now, Rob Evans happens to be the loose head who's played the most minutes. Okay, therefore right. he has also topped the statistics for carries and for passes and for all that stuff. Hang on, now, I would assume being the official technology partner for, partner for the Six Nations, they would automatically weight this. Well, they haven't. So what I have done 
is I have waited it myself. Oh my God, this is mind-numbing. Okay, fine. So I have taken all the players, I've looked at how many minutes they've played in this tournament thus far, mm-hmm. and given them, uh, and then uh, adjusted their scores to take into account that fact, and it confirms that Mako Vunipola, minute by minute, is a better player than Rob Evans. But in terms of minutes played, Rob Evans has done more things in this tournament. Right. Okay. So he's done more things. Not necessarily better. Th- uh, who? Okay. Fine. Yes. So that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So who's next? Okay. Next, um, they've got Dylan Hart. Dylan Hartley. That makes sense. And Samson Lee, which also uh, makes sense. Okay. Um, although Dan Cole has played uh, all but eleven minutes in the tournament, which is quite interesting because that's really interesting actually, especially for for a tight prop. The only game they took him off was um, against Italy when they were comfortably ahead. It's because Paul Hill has been behind him. Uh, now, see. with Kieran Brooks coming back to fitness, mm-hmm. who may well be on the bench uh, for the Wales game, I think you'll see a little bit less of Dan Cole and a little bit more of Kieran Brooks. Then in the second row, they've matched us with uh, Cruis and Alan Wynne-Jones. The back, the back row, they've matched me with Robshaw, Warburton and Billy Vanapola. No position for James Haskell. No p- position for Tipperick. Hang on. James Haskell's not in there? No. No. Right, okay. So their seven is, is Tipperick? Uh, no, their seven, their seven is Warburton. Right, but he plays six. Uh, but he has started at seven when Lydiot played. Oh, right, okay, fine. Um, so eight is Billy Vanapola, who is the second highest scoring uh, player overall, interestingly. Do you want to guess who the first highest scoring player is? Uh, who scores highest at doing everything? What a ridiculous stat. <laughs> um, I have no idea. I have no idea. I have no idea how it's weighted. I'm going to say it is um, uh, Rob Shaw or someone. No. Uh, it's actually Gareth Davis. Interestingly. Oh. Now, I, I actually asked the question of Accenture. Um, can, you t- can you give me the calculation? Because that it surprised me. Um, I didn't get the calculation, unfortunately. Um, so I can only assume that passing is weighted quite heavily. Because Gareth Davis, he run he runs a lot. He runs a lot for a scrum half. Yeah, but he's run half as many meters as say Liam Williams or Mike Brown or even Billy Vanapola. So that that can't be the reason why. But I don't actually know the the full reason. So we know Gareth Davis is the best player, but we don't know why. Yes, we know that he's the highest in the Accenture stats. Brilliant, brilliant. I can't wait to hear the rest of the team. Go on. Then the back line is very similar to the one that we picked, or the rest of the back line. Dan Bigger, uh, Jamie Robertson, Jonathan Joseph, Jack Noel, uh, sorry, well, George North and Jack Noel. Jack Noel just pipped Anthony Watson for the wing spot. And then Liam Williams is about 2% better or scored 2% higher than Mike Brown. When their time adjusted, they're virtually identical. Okay. Well, let's hope we never do this feature ever again. And (laughs) take what you have learned from that and tell me, what do you actually think is going to happen in the real-life game? Well, from that, you don't learn very much. But what I then did was put these stats into an England and Wales team. Ooh. And Wales come out uh, about 3% better across the board, even when adjusted for time. So three percent better. That again means very okay. So they're just three percent better than England. 
according to the stats in this tournament, they have performed three percent better, according to the essential data. Quite incredible. Uh, now, obviously, England are playing at home, Wales are playing away. Mm-hmm. But th- that doesn't matter, as we found out in the World Cup. It doesn't matter <laughs> if it's your home World Cup, if you're playing at home. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but they had Lancaster, who was a ten percent. He made them ten percent worse. And we have Gatlin, who makes us fifty percent better. Oh god, it's so confusing. All Isn't these statistics. Uh, you would never have guessed that Gatlin had the foresight to bring off his best playmaking centre. Yeah. Add an additional winger. Bring on Reese Priestland, and then have the reserve scrum half fly hack it down the field. Yes. For the starting scrum half to st- score or something like that. Genius by Gatlin. It's he's a vision. The man is a visionary. He's a brilliant man. <laughs> so if he can uh, have a game plan like that again, do you think Wales can win? In all in all seriousness, as a Welsh fan, what do you think do the chances I, are? Uh, well, I don't know. Simply, I you know that is wonderful insight from uh, uh, you know from a rugby podcast. But I, I don't. Um, <laughs> I think of it like this. My initial reaction is Wales can bully England. They can bully England because they're much much more physical. They seem to be fitter. Now, I think that's a, a silly thing to say because they're all fit. Yeah. But I definitely think it's, oh, it definitely seems like Wales work harder. And I think that they're more organised. I think the Eddie Jones factor is going to be huge though. I mean, gone, has, gone is all this nonsense that we're going to be good people and do things the right way. No, they're just <laughs> going to win. Uh, and they're a completely different prospect. So... Although my initial thought is Wales can win, I think England will win. I think, I, I'm going to say, I think England can win. I think one of the big areas, uh, as we've highlighted on the podcast previously, is that England are so heavily reliant on uh, Billy Vanapola for go forward. He, in the, the game so far, he's made two, three, four times more metres than the whole of the rest of the pack put together. Yeah, but number eights tend to do that. I mean, that's the other thing. Um, oh, but the way he's been playing, he has been, he's got two Man of the Match awards. He's been absolutely superb. Uh, and he's been carrying men over the game line. He's been half getting stopped. Like There's three men tackling him every time. He gets half stopped and then he just keeps going. Well, Against Wales, I think it's a different prospect because they will be able to target him more. They are, but again, if more you target physical. him more, if you, you dedicate two players to him, you've got to assume that other holes will open up somewhere else. I just don't see the threats from the pack for going through those holes. Do you know what I would love to see, especially after this weekend, is Jamie George being given a shot because I love his running game. Yeah. yeah. Now, unfortunately, the captain plays hooking. I say unfortunately, you know, he's a good captain. Yeah. He's a brace if he's exactly what England needs. But when you watch um, Jamie George play, you think. Oh, good carrier he's a great carrier and he's an intelligent runner he runs very intelligent support lines and he can offload um so yeah i'd like to see him i'd like to see mako start i'd like to see a todgy start um just to get the carriers up um and take some of the pressure off off billy you're going for a i'm going for it's going to be less than five i think england can edge it yep but i think if wales really stop billy then uh, Wales can also do it but if I was a betting man I'd have to slightly back England I think England by one score of some sort yeah but, mm-hmm. I'll, go, I'll go with that okay now in, in the in the press there's been quite a lot of talk of Manu Alagi coming in for this game he's been elevated to the England squad do you think it's just pie in the sky media talk clickbait um 
what, like five things you'll never believe uh, Man- uh, Manu Tuolangi has done before, that kind of clip. <laughs> that kind of clip. Or... You won't believe what Manu Tuolangi did next. <laughs> <laughs> Started uh, for England. <laughs> I think if you're an England fan, just be happy he's fit, be happy he's playing for, for Leicester and do the right thing. Send him back, get him match fit and use him in the autumn. Yes. In fact, even let him skip a summer tour. Yes. So that's my view on uh, Manu. Whether England play the desperation card. Although, interestingly, um, one of the egg chasers, I'm not going to mention by name, but he's not here, thinks it could be Ben <laughs> Teo who uh, fills the England void. I can't wait for the next podcast to not, uh, interrogate not, him further on this. Not this weekend, this is. This is possibly on the summer tour. Well, whenever, whenever it may be. Um, no, I think Manu should be wrapped up in cotton wool and just let him play for Leicester, get his feet yeah. back and just see where he goes from there. Yes, I mean, he scored a try on the weekend. But he wasn't he wasn't sensational. He still looks like he's lacking a bit of match fitness. Did anyone else get called up for the England squad? Uh Kieran Brooks is in yes, there. Yes, that's the one I'm thinking of. Um and it is Big Dave Ewers in there now. Because he's played mm. the last couple of games. He must get so annoyed with going back and forth to the England elite squad and then back to Exeter and yeah. called up again. Oh, this is my big shot, and then back back, back to Exeter. Yeah. So not I, this time. Okay, so what are your thoughts on England? Sorry, on Ireland versus Italy. Uh, in Ireland, I think it's going to be similar storyline to the England game. Actually, I think Italy will probably hold them for mm-hmm. a lot of the game, um, maybe fifty, sixty minutes, and then I think the the fitness, the bench, the experience of Ireland will allow them to rack up a few points. So Ireland by ten, fifteen points in the end. Yeah, I think you're probably about right there. I I do think I, Italy will come out strong. They've got some decent players and they've been playing better. I think Campagnaro has made a case for, you know, inclusion to team of the tournament. Yeah. He's been absolutely superb. He's playing very well. But ultimately they're going to fail and they're going to get smashed <laughs> in the last 60, I'd say. The last 60 or the last 20? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last 60. <laughs> the last 60. <laughs> God, that could be a hell of a smashing. France versus Scotland. Now, bearing in mind, you did say Scotland would win three games. I certainly did, and I'm going to stick by that. So Scotland host France on Sunday, 3pm, and I think Scotland can do this. Now, I I think they can. I say that for a few reasons. Scotland plays some very good rugby, Mm -hmm. um, and France have been playing some pretty poor rugby, uh, in all honesty. France don't seem cohesive. And also, I was look, flicking through the top 14 team sheets this weekend, and of the 23 players who played against Wales mm-hmm. uh, last Friday night, 15 of them played for their clubs this weekend. That's outrageous. It's astonishing, isn't it? That and is it, outrageous. These guys, there was very few of them who played on the bench. Most of them played... Uh, 80 minutes, 65 minutes, 72, 80, 65, 80, 80, 80, 80, 59. There's a couple of... Hang tw- on, 20... you counted the minutes? Well, I just recorded the minutes that they, they played. Just in case I need it for... Just in case you needed that? Yeah, just in case. Very good, Phil. You're very, um, very committed. That that also, by the way, includes uh, Antoine Bourbon, who was knocked unconscious by Sam Warburton last Friday. So I don't think he should have been playing. Uh, Let the boys play. All right, Alison Pollock. Yes, okay. <laughs> but, Jay, if we can just save one child, no matter the cost... No, whatever the cost, just one just child Just one child, yes. You're absolutely right, Phil. Thank uh, you. Um, the, the other one, did you see uh, Sebastian Bezzi, who started on the bench against 
Wales. Yep. Played the full 80 for Toulouse in their 21-all draw with Breve. Did you see the final play of the game? No. When Luke Mc- uh, Toulouse were 21-16 down, Luke McAllister goes under the post to score a try to make it 21-all. Sebastian Bezzi has the kick to win the game and he takes it too close to the sticks and gets charged oh down. Oh, my God. S- talk about schoolboy. How close to the sticks are we talking? Uh, not not far back from the five-metre line. Why not just take it to wherever you need? Like the halfway, line halfway line. Halfway. It doesn't matter. You're directly in front of the sticks. Yeah. He needs take to be it. fired for that. I mean, that is actually a sackable... It, in fact... In your line of work, right? <laughs> if you, I don't know, estimating some wood or whatever you do for a living, QS, or yeah. that's what you estimate wood. Yeah, that right? kind of thing. And you made such a horrendous error. <laughs> Wouldn't you be like actually verbally, you'd be verbally warned, right? Uh, there would be a verbal warning. Would it, gross misconduct? Uh, maybe not gross, gross misconduct. That's, is that, it's, that is... it's the equivalent of throwing away a contract. Uh, yeah, In your yeah, work. A win. Yeah, it's the equivalent of throwing away a win. So it's, it's, if I was trying to win a contract, and my just sheer laziness cost that contract, then, uh, yeah, there, there would be it's serious... It's like me ending a client meeting by flipping the table. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Shake hands. Flip, flip the, the table. table. Bye. <laughs> so, um, just on going back to Scotland France. See, that, right. If you want to look at French rugby and think, why is it not working? Forget all the minutes they're playing. It's because they've got players like Sebastian Beze, <laughs> who's just too damn lazy yeah. to kick properly. God knows how he shows up to, to work every day and works out and trains and keeps in shape. He can't even <laughs> be bothered going back the required distance. An extra two metres. On the last play of the game. It's yeah. not like... <sighs> Quite incredible. Um, so, for all those reasons, I think that Scotland can beat France. Um... Scotland's weakness will be their pack tiring, and when the French bring off bring on their monstrous reserves from the bench and start turning the screw like they did against Ireland, mm-hmm. it's, Co- can, that's code for JP JP Nell. Uh, sorry, WP Nell. WP Nell getting tired. Yes, if WP Nell's got eighty minutes in those legs, then Scotland might be okay. If he's not, it could be an issue. He is a ferocious scrummager. Yeah. Absolutely ferocious. I would say that is an, that is an issue. Yeah. I'd also say Finn Russell is an issue. Okay. A magnificent player, one of my favourite tens in all the Six Nations, but he does have a, a tendency to do silly things at silly times and cost his team. Whether it be last year, with well, I mean, I thought he got cheated out of two games actually for the tackle on Jonathan Davis, or this year when he got yellow carded against Italy. Yeah. Yes. So he does have the propensity to blow up a bit. But if he stays on the field, hell of a player. Yes, yeah, and could be win number two of three for Scotland this year. Which means, who else will they beat? Uh, wait, uh, no. Not Italy? Worse. No, they oh, sorry, played, um, they played Italy. Ireland. Ireland. Ireland I can they, see that. They could do, they could do. Especially with the injuries that Ireland have. So watch this space. Okay. Uh, okay, so back to domestic, back to domestic matters. Uh, what, do, what do we have in the Premiership that... This week, probably best if you go through the scores as they occurred. Yes, let's do that. So Friday night we had the relegation battle. Oh, which Tim went to. Tim did go to that. Um, did he have any interesting stories? Uh, you got very nervous talking to, to Dean Ryan. Dean Ryan, he interviewed his his hero. I know his absolute hero, Dean Ryan. Uh, I don't think he mentioned the relaxation rooms. No, uh, and I don't think he uh, propositioned. Dean Ryan. Well, I'm, as nervous as he would be to meet Dean Ryan, I'm sure he remained a complete and utter pro. 
So as always. all we would have is uh, great interview questions. Yes, absolutely. Uh, did you see <laughs> in the game, the, the warm-up to the game, you know, as the... Because the BT Sport, the brilliant broadcaster BT Sport, wonderful, wonderful. get access to all areas, the camera went into the Worcester uh, dressing room just as they were having their huddle before the game was about to kick off. And as they go in, there's a little toilet to the right-hand side down this corridor on the way into the dressing room. And there was one of the one of the Worcester coaches was stood in the toilet having a, having a pee. Uh, it is, and as as the camera panned back out, he was turning round and like doing up his fly, rolling a newspaper under his arm. Oh, okay, ben, so ben the Kate, first question is, why has he got a newspaper? I, well, I, he was rolling up some stat sheets, maybe. There you go. Uh, ben K and Ugo Munya were loving it. <laughs> Absolutely I, adoring it. I am amazed, right, that this doesn't happen more uh, more often. And, you know, being candid, if I was a relatively, how can I say, relatively well-equipped rugby player, <laughs> I don't think I'd ever be off-screen. <laughs> uh, you're asking for trouble fil- filming in a changing room. Yes. It's, it's dangerous, isn't it? It, it most certainly is. Uh, so the game itself? Uh, well, Andy Goode was, uh, there was talk of him not being fit before the game. It's all relative, I guess. Uh, well, not being fit injury-wise. <laughs> injury-wise. Um, I don't think there's ever been any any doubt over his fitness, uh, level of physical fitness. Um, and he didn't actually look fit. He was hanging back and not controlling the game very well. He wasn't mm. wasn't coming in and playing first receiver as often as he should He do. plays a flat ball as well as anyone in the Premiership. Yes. You know, he might not be there as often as, as some <laughs> other fly-offs in the Premiership, but when he is there, yeah. damn good player. Yes. So I think Newcastle missed missed that kind of control and they took him off after 50 minutes or so and Willis the reserve fly half had a kick to win the game uh, and missed it put it wide uh, not the most difficult kick although it was pretty blustery um, I think Exeter, Exeter sorry Worcester are a very good team actually uh, they're probably one or two players away uh, from being a, a you know, mid-table side it's, it's quite interesting when Good first went to Newcastle they won kind of three out of four games. Now that Worcester have got uh, Hugard, Huhard. How uh, highly do you rate him? Because some people are saying he is masterful. I wouldn't go that far, but he's a good player. The stuff I've seen in the past, he can be a bit unpredictable. Um, not like a... There's no Pinar. Pinar or Dupria. Mm. Not not like those kind of players. Um, but he's fast. He's played on the wing. He's a dangerous runner. And his skills are good. So if he can calm things down and control a little bit more, which is what that team needs, especially with a young guy So you're like, saying he's a wonderful player, just not the player that that team needs? Well, I'm saying he's possibly... So he's got the experience, and if he uses that in the right way and not plays less erratic and more controlling... Matawalu's got experience. Matawalu does. He's more difficult to calm down. Yes. But they, he's played two, they've won two so far. So whether that's a long-term change or it's a short-term bounce or it's just been the games that he's played, we'll see. But it looks like a good acquisition uh, to help them into the end of the season. So if you're a betting man now, it's a three-way struggle. Irish, Worcester, Falcons, you go with? Uh, Irish going down. I'd say Irish going down, unfortunately, which brings us nicely on to London Irish Bath. It does, and Irish have got their own acquisition. Greg Tonks, who started on the bench because... uh, Theo Brophy Clues. Uh, Joffrey 
Joffrey Claus. Joffrey Claus. Joffrey Boffrey Claus. Jo- Joffrey Claus. Uh, started. Um, and there's not too many positives, I think, that Irish can take out of this game. Bath, Bath, on the other hand, actually started playing some good running rugby. Yeah. Wingers, wingers scoring. Pack looked powerful. But it's how much do you read into it against London Irish? You know... I mean, anyone who's listened to podcasts in the past knows I'm a huge fan of Bath. Everything from the magnificent kit to the best sporting town in the world with the best sports stadium in the world, bar none. And the best, bar cap- none. And the best captain and the best owner. Yeah, all those things. I absolutely love Bath. But they basically, they basically played the role of the bully here. They beat a team who aren't very good. And at the end, it was heartbreaking to watch Tonks miss that kick. Yeah. Because it's, you know... There's nothing in it for Bath, you know. It, yeah. It's just a way that Bath win and Tonks gets something out in the end, and to miss it was just, oh. The kick would have secured a losing bonus point, which could be vital. Although, as we said before, I'm not sure it will be. I think London Irish. Do you think there's an element out. here of maybe throwing up the white flag and saying enough's enough? We, we, we you know, we're not going to stay up. Let's see what the kids have got. Um, I don't think they've got any options at the moment. I think. They've got some good young kids. I mean, Johnny Williams, who's coming to the inside centre and who's keeping Shane Geraghty out, he's a very handy player. He's a very talented player. Um, and but I think they've got injury rules, uh, injury problems elsewhere in the front row, like ben, losing Ben Franks. It in, tells you all you need to know about um, Geraghty, that he's not getting any game time at all, despite London Irish being bottom of the table yes. and playing two 18-year-olds. Yes, yeah, 18 at 10 and 12. Uh, it will be interesting to see if... if Tonks does have a, a more controlling effect going forward. Okay. Uh, uh, which the... actually, before we move on, okay. we might need to kind of slowly go up into something we discussed in the main podcast, ah. um, which is going to be difficult now, because Tim came to us with some news, which he got directly from Neil Fissler. <laughs> um, he did not. He definitely did not. No, get no, no it. he did. Yeah, Neil Fissler broke it first. Okay, okay. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So... Uh, this news was apparently Tim doesn't is it knows who the next Bath director of rugby is. He knows who they're lining up to be the next di- Bath director of rugby. So this is not they're not firing Mike Ford or Tim doesn't know whether they're firing Mike Ford, but he believes someone is being uh, talk, talked talked about. Yeah, groomed kind of gives it away a little. Would bit. Would you like to try and? Oh, I, I, I nearly gave away the name there. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Okay, so the game we played on Sunday evening was guess the director of rugby, who the next one's going to be. Yes. So Tim very kindly put it on Facebook, sorry, WhatsApp for us, and me and Phil got thinking, and we came up with a list of candidates. So let's go through our candidates. We thought it might be Gatland. Uh, Gatland was one. I, I suggested maybe Sean Edwards Yeah. going for a, a coaching role. We spoke about Conor O'Shea. Which would make a lot of sense. Brilliant director of rugby. Yes. And then uh, you were mortified to think that the vandal... Ugh, Stuart, Stuart Lancaster. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, so, no. Thankfully, it's not Stuart Lancaster. And then we also said maybe someone from Super Rugby. Someone like Dave Rennie. Now, that would be a lovely appointment. I mean... You know, if you like flowing... No, actually, I'm not going to say flowing rugby because it's nonsense. All this nonsense about the Southern Hemisphere team has been so talented and so much better than than us. I don't buy it for a second. Uh, in fact, anyone who watched Super Rugby this week, uh, in particular, 
the New Zealand games would see what an inferior product it is. But we'll save that for another time. <laughs> um, he would be a good appointment because he's because he's a fine coach. Yes. Uh, the other one was. Ooh, I can't Who remember. else do do, 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 do was, we have on there? There was one of the oh Diamond Steve Diamond. So Tim is teasing us. I went through the full range of emotions from horror. It could be Stuart Lancaster <laughs> to absolute ecstasy. Ex ecstasy. I can't say it now. <laughs> ecstasy. Ecstasy <laughs> and delights. Uh, that would be Steve Diamond. Dimes. Steve Diamond. They clear up Europe, domestic. World Club Challenge, if there was one. Super League. Six Nations. Six Nations. Yeah. Super Rugby. All of it. All of it. Uh, but I don't think they're that forward, forward thinking. <laughs> so the name that Tim gave us was... Incredibly, Stuart Hooper. That's amazing. That is... Now, this comes back to the groomed element, which Tim didn't tell us initially, but we kind of uh, found out later. Um, according to Tim, it's, it's true that they're looking at Hooper as a potential future bath director of rugby. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Because he's already got the links and... Yeah, so I, I I read this when Tim originally said it as this is going to happen ASAP. <laughs> that's what that's what I thought, but again, that wouldn't really make much sense because you're putting a player in charge of really experienced men and very good coaches like Tony Booth, Neil Hatley, yeah, um, and presumably ahead of Mike Ford if you retain him. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, but this is all hypothetical future potential. Um, Tim was very, very clear about that. This is all... No, no, he wasn't clear about hypothetical. No, he never said hypothetical. He said this is the next one, but we don't know the time frame. Okay, okay. So there's there's obviously various other questions here, such as... um, When does Mike Ford get fired? When does Mike Ford get fired? Because he has to get fired, right? (laughs) You have to get fired for another director of rugby to come in. Uh, Yes. And how awkward is it to have your director of rugby related to your star player? I think what they could do is move... So Mike Ford kind of moves up a half a level, if that's even possible. But isn't the whole point of director the... rugby to have like two coaches? So you've already bumped up the coach you don't want. Yeah. Where's he going to go next? Well, so what you could do is you move... Uh, Chief exec or something? Well, you move Stuart Hooper into the uh, first team head coach and move Mike Ford slightly up to the Gary... What was the Gary Gould Oh, Bath have done this before, of course, yes, haven't they? they've got great, great history so of doing Chief this. Chief executive... 
Director of Rugby. Yes. Uh, manager of Elite Rugby Operations. They might as well just call him Gary Goldmark too. Gary Goldmark. Yeah, that's not a bad shout, actually. And then uh, Hoops comes in. It does make you think. Um, I don't think it's the right thing to do initially. I think it's probably best doing what they did with um, Borthwick and letting him learn elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, they always say with family businesses, not that you care about family businesses, I don't know why I thought I'd bring this <laughs> up, but they always say, you know, if you're going to bring someone into your fam- family business, get them trained outside, outside, of the, outside of the family business first. Have you ever... This is going completely off topic. Fire lot, away. No, you, no one's here to stop us. If If Tim was here, I would not even raise this, but have you ever read about... Um, the history of family business in Japan. Yes, I have. It's incredible. And the adopting of... Yes. Yeah. So they all these businesses have, like... They pride themselves on being 400 years in the same family. But these days, the CEOs, they try and bring their sons up, but very, very frequently, like 98% of the time, their sons or daughters uh, don't cut the mustard, and they just adopt someone else who's a prime candidate to be the next CEO and run the family business. So you're saying it should actually be Danny Danny Diamond, not Danny Cipriani. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes. Or, or if Mike Ford's going to be fired, maybe it's going to be, hang on, George Bruce. <laughs> ah. That's how he does so, it. Craig Bruce adopts George Ford. George and... Bruce. Wow. Nailed it. Brilliant. These, these these people get adopted at the age of like 28 or 35, that, that kind of age. I, I can actually see this because, uh, you know, Craig Bruce is, is an incredibly sharp man, as is our sponsor, Cornerstone. Oh, another... Stop it, Razor sharp. Stop it. Razor sharp segue, JV. Uh Thank you to Cornerstone, who have been supporting the show over, over the last few weeks. We are honestly delighted by the amount of people that have signed up, uh, got involved, uh, ordered their razors online. If you don't know who Cornerstone are, you're about to find out now. They are an online razor delivery service. So you no longer have to worry about, you know, where's my latest I don't know, end of the stalk going to come from and yeah. wondering, you know, what fits what and all, and all the rest of it. No, in fact, it just gets delivered straight, straight to your door. And... You get a finely machined aluminium handle with your own initials on it. It's very well balanced. The weight of the oh, handle. So nothing, well balanced. There's nothing worse than those plastic erasers that they're just dead flimsy. You need a good sturdy shaft in your hand, don't you, Jay? Oh, 100%. 100%. It reminds me of, do you know, like Game of Thrones thing? When, you know, when, they, <laughs> when they grab the sword for the first time, the well balanced oh, yes. sword. A Valerian steel sword. Oh, imagine. Imagine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what you need to do is you need to go on to uh, cornerstone.co.uk. Oh, I don't Corn- even know. Cornerstone.co.uk. I'm so tin pot, I don't even know. <laughs> Either go um, forward slash egg chasers, or even better, just go to the checkout, type in egg10, uh, use our code, you get a tenner off. And also, you get to fund the rugby dungeon, which you know is an honour in itself. It is. And one last thing, you also get to put your own initials on your handle. Uh, I suggest you put JB, uh, but you can put whatever (laughs) Whatever you want. want. In fact, if you do do it, I I might send you some stash. Now, Jay, I had a shave this morning from Cornerstone, so a few hours ago. Mm -hmm. Now, you're probably the best man to compare. Have a feel of that. Hang on. Yeah. Now, is is that or is that not smoother than your own baby's bottom? I hate to say it because she could be an earshot, but that is smoother. 
Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's... Mind you, what's she like? Seven weeks. Uh, you know, they don't know. <laughs> don't know anything, do they? That's no. Stupid. Oh, so I thought you were going to say seven weeks. She's probably a bit stubbly by now. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. My baby will never be st- stubbly because I subscribe to Cornerstone. I can shave her whenever I want. <laughs> Very good, very good. Right, back to the Premiership. We should probably go through these games a little bit faster. No, do it at our own time. Okay, okay. Um, Sail Sharks versus Quinns. Now, I went to this game. Wow. I went with... Uh, oh, sail at home, yeah? Sail at home. Okay. Um, it's a little bit difficult getting out of the car park at the end. Yep. Um, but an entertaining game, particularly the second half, uh, where there's some good tries by both teams, actually. Will Addison, in particular, impressed me. Um but good game all round. Um, Anything particular in particular stand out? Um, it, well, it was interesting. I was with uh, my girlfriend, who doesn't really follow rugby. Um, her father, who does follow rugby, and my girlfriend's mother and her sister as well, who definitely do not follow rugby. No. They're more uh, music, arts, crafts, textiles. We've all got upper versions. Exactly. Um, it was interesting from the non-rugby watchers... They commented uh, completely uh, unprovoked about how long it was taken uh, for the stoppages in play. So there's a lot of reset scrums, and also um, the kickers. The kickers. I know they were both the second choice kickers that started, but they were taking like 90 seconds every kick. It was a long time. So that that was a little bit disappointing. But they enjoyed it overall. Enjoyed the the. A bit of the, the free f- atmosphere, quote unquote. Atmosphere. They did because they're all quite musical. They thought it was absolutely hilarious that all of the sail chants use sail as two syllables rather than. Hang on. So sail is one syllable. Yes. Okay. So they do like "Hey Jude." No. Nah, oh no! Don't sing it! Nah, don't sing it! Don't sing it! No! 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 Sail. Yeah. They thought. Oh, they thought that's that was awful. Actually. And da da Sail. Yeah, but you could just go, sail. Yeah, it's so, That's not too bad. It's so, uh, it's so stupid. Uh, as I pointed out before, I'm amazed that Sail haven't just dug up some old footage from somewhere because there's so many you know, anthems and jingles just from actual sales on TV. January sales, <laughs> you know, Christmas sales. Well, they, they play, there, there must be something out there they can use. They play AWOL Nation Sail. Uh, which I know Tim doesn't like it. Tim, no, Tim I've heard him come out to this. I, I thought I, I it was like weird. It. I quite like it. It's quite... Um, uh, a bit rocky. It's a bit slow, rocky, isn't it? Yeah, I, I quite like it as a yeah. as a song. So, anyway, uh, so that that was that was entertaining. And also, I predicted that I think sail at home. Yeah, but there again, no one loses out more than Harlequins during the international break because their internationals are so important to the way that they play. Yes, and no one gains more than sail because they don't have any internationals. Exactly, and everyone else loses them. So, and they've got the, probably the best coach in the entire league, whereas <laughs> Harlequins. You know, if you've been honest, it looks like they've checked out. It looks like they've checked out because the director of rugby's gone. Now, no, that might be I unfortunate. That, I think that's unfair. I think it's just it's it's the Six Nations their hardest hit. Mm. Well, we'll see when they come back. Yes, it'll be yeah, a very yeah. good, very good test. An, an interesting thing um, from the sideline, which you won't have seen. Well, you won't have seen on TV because the game wasn't televised. Mm. But you wouldn't have seen on TV was Kyle Sinclair started the match, and Adam Jones was on the sideline but not on the bench. Mm-hmm. And Adam Jones was constantly talking to Sinclair about the scrimmaging. He was constantly signalling and talking to him and trying to get messages. How across. much can you watch Adam Jones when you're getting folded in half? 
It's a okay. Well, I guess it's a, a use of Adam, um, of Adam Jones. It is. Yeah. It's a very expensive use of someone who just talks to someone else. It but, is. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Gloucester Wasps. So low scoring game. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of good tries. One by um, one by Hibbs, who crashed over, and a hell of a try by Christian Wade. Oh yes, I've seen this try. My word, he's dangerous, isn't he? Yes. Oh, good lord! Give him an inch, and he'll take a mile. Uh, he he is comfortably the most scary Engl- Englishman to face up against. Do you reckon? Yeah, I do. Um, he can break. He can break tackles. He needs, like you say, just the smallest space. But you know, and when think, he goes, he really goes. You can't catch him. So Watson is a hell of a player as well, and, and Jack Noel is playing very well. Um, but Watson also has the defensive ability and the positioning, and he's got a good boot on him. Do you know what? He, I, I get what you're saying. You think he's a better rugby player, but I don't think he's, he is as naturally talented. He might be as good at a natural athlete, but I don't think he has the balance. And yeah. Certain... It's a low centre of gravity that Wade's got yeah. as well. So, like, for that try, I think there was two or three attempted tackles, and they just slipped off him, and they couldn't make it, and he just keeps going in his stride because he's got that low centre of gravity. Hey, don't get me wrong, it's like saying Kelly Brook is less attractive than Beyonce or something like that. You know, <laughs> They're both magnificent women. However, <laughs> I just think that uh, you know, me and Christian would get on, get on better. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, we'd have that. more in common. So the other game on the Saturday, Saracens lost at home to Northampton, which I believe Tim predicted last week. I think he did as well, in fairness to him. Yeah, fair play, Tim. Um, did you actually see the end of this game? No. So, well, early on, uh, Ben Spencer got a yellow card um, for killing the ball at a rook five metres from his own line, which was fair enough. But Northampton capitalised on that. Uh, Northampton played some good rugby there. Backs played well. But the last the last minute, Saracens had the ball in their own 22. They're five points down. And Niels Mort decides, mm-hmm. decides to kick it into touch and end the game. Much to the frustration and annoyance of all of his teammates. Why? Why did you do that? I don't know. I I can't explain it. Uh, hang on. So Saracens have the ball in right. in, in their own twenty-two, admittedly. Yes. Okay. But they have the ball. They're within seven points, so they can win the game. And he just boots the ball out. Game over. Done. And all of his players were up up in arms. I would be up in arms. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be absolutely up in arms. Uh. Right, in- interesting. Interesting, very so interesting. So do we think that Northampton have turned the corner now and they're actually going to be something like the Northampton that we saw last year? Yes, I think they are. I think they're, I think they're building towards it. Um, their backs in particular have impressed me. And Harry Malinder um, is one of the most impressive. He's, he's come on leaps and bounds. Um, well, I say he's come on leaps and bounds. I've never really seen him before. Yeah, that's a good point. He's just good, maybe. Yeah. Just a good player. But Luther Burrell has come on as well. Luther Burrell's uh, distribution game seems way better than it was three months yeah, ago. Yeah, it's really interesting to say that because you're either a good distributor or you're a bad distributor. You very rarely see a player that comes into the league early doors and go, oh, he's a terrible distributor. And by the time he finishes, he's world class. Well, we, or even better, yeah, actually. We know that... Um, when Luther Burrell didn't make the initial England squad, that Eddie Jones has had a word with him. So I just wonder what he's told him to work on, whether Luther's fed that into Alex King and whether they're... Or Eddie Jones has fed it into Alex King and they're, they're actually, they've actually been working on it. Quite possibly. Whatever the, the catalyst is, it does appear to be working. Excellent. Uh, and, and Exeter Leicester? The final game of the weekend on the Sunday. Um, 
Another good game, high scoring, 31-27 to Leicester. Uh, but Leicester kind of... Uh, KG first 20 minutes, Leicester scored, I think, one try before half-time and then, I think, three just after half-time to really stretch the lead and go 20 points up. Um, but Exeter came back into it. A uh, couple of good tries towards the end um, and finished 31-27. Now, there were a couple of controversial moments in this Um from an Exeter's point of view, they had two yellow cards. Leicester had one, but there was a penalty try against Exeter, and I think they would have wanted to see consistency, uh, the law being applied consistently, which I don't. I think there's an argument yeah. that it, it possibly wasn't. Um, but it was a good game, and for Exeter to go away, and I think they only got one losing bonus point. But I think if you're Exeter, right, you can pipe down about an unlucky result here or there after their European Cup qualification. <laughs> you know they've had all their luck in one go. Take it, enjoy it, but don't whinge when it goes when it goes against you because you're in the European Cup quarterfinals through one of the most amazing sets of circumstances ever to Greg's European rugby. Yes. So, uh, uh, and did Exeter have all all of their England contingent playing? Uh, they had Big Dave Viewers. They had Sam Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they didn't have Henry Slade. Um, they had Jeff Powell in playing. Uh, and was Waldron playing? I don't think he was. I wouldn't I really think... call him an England player, though, would you? Well, he's got England caps. He's not a current England no, player. Yeah, no, yeah. I think Don Armand started. Ah, oh, excellent. So from big day viewers, we go to the Big Apple on Thursday. Um, <laughs> JV, what? have you pre-written all of these? No, of course not. It just, it just it, rolls off the it tongue. It rolls off the tongue. I'm a natural. Um <laughs> <laughs> Do we have our agenda close to hand? Now, it's very important to note, the reason that Tim isn't here is because he's very kindly volunteered to go before us so we don't have to find all the bars and clubs ourselves. Yes, it's a tough gig to do recon for nights out in New York, this, I'm sure. It's times like this, you really, val- you really value him. Yes. Really value him. So on the Friday, Thursday we're landing there, we're doing some stuff with both the teams, I believe, whoever they... Um, allow us to talk to if anyone uh, yes the plan is to meet meet them they're doing uh, a media gig in Times Square oh, a nice. couple, couple of hours after we land so we're hoping to get across to that get a few selfies done yes uh, definitely Friday captain's run but then Saturday is when the actual business end of the trip happens yes and by business end you mean the rugby rather than the drinking yes well yes yeah both so we'll be going to watch the so is it England game first? Uh, no, it's the uh, Italy Island Italy game first, which will be about eight a.m. seven thirty a.m. I think we're watching that in a pub called the Australian. If we can get there in time, which is going to be questionable, but we're definitely watching. So the... it's the Saturday morning. Yep, and so we'll just have an early night on the Friday night. We'll have a very early, very early night. Very early I've early got night. a book. I've got a book. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got. A have you ever books. read it, House of Lancaster? <laughs> I've not. I've, it was your Christmas present for yeah, me. House, House of Lancaster. And if I finish that in time, I'll read Henry's Pride. <laughs> or I'll, I'll tell you what book came up on my uh, Amazon suggested books this week. Far away, Blackie, the Steve Black story. Oh, I bet that's awful. I bet, that's, I bet it's horrendous. I bet that is the worst book the wor- ever written. <laughs> I know. I reckon it goes that, and then Mein Kampf. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, the surpri- one A, the one and one A. Surprisingly, I didn't didn't order it. Whose book is Finding My Feet? Finding My Feet. 
I don't know. No, Do you know I... what? I've come up with a great game, and then we might play us uh, on the next podcast. Book titles. Book titles. Finding My Feet, I believe, is Jason Robinson. Ah, clever. Um, and that's the only one I can remember. <laughs> Good. I'm not a big reader. Me and my big mouth. Uh, Austin Healy. Yes. Yes, have that. Because that was Tim's Christmas present. Uh, was it? Uh, from me. Oh. When, I, when I bought you both books, remember? You, uh, yeah, vaguely. Um, so we'll be with the Bayonne Rugby Club to watch the England-Wales game at 10 o'clock in, somewhere. In the Pig and Whistle, is it? In Hoboken? Yeah, whatever that, yeah, somewhere. I'll be there. I'm just going to be led by Phil and Tim and we'll see you there. If anyone's around to, to have a drink, please make yourself known and actually just buy me a drink. Just buy me a, a drink <laughs> or give me cash. I'm, I'm, I'm open. To, I'll buy a drink with it later. Who knows? <laughs> Don't mind. Uh and we're hoping to record a pod on the Sunday, which can go out in time for your commute on the Monday. However, given that we failed to record a pod in our usual surroundings, this Sunday just gone. Uh, I'm, mm, we'll see. It's going to be our least coherent pod to date. So look for... Look. Yes, Sunday, the Sunday morning after that Saturday will be interesting. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be going, going south quick. Just like our rugby... <laughs> Southern Hemisphere news now. Super Rugby's back up and running. Did you oh see any God, of the games? Uh, I saw, I saw a couple. Uh, I saw the Highlanders Hurricane game, which was awful. Which was <laughs> they the... really were the most terrible games. It, well, I say awful. It, it was very exciting, but both teams looked a little bit clueless and like they were trying to trying to uh, run everything from any from anywhere without much thought as to what was on, what was on inside them, what was on outside them, what the defence was like, uh, where where on the field they were. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here, which is I'm hoping they are like this just because all the best players have gone. It's the start of a World Cup cycle, and by the end of the season, we're going to say, that guy's good, that guy's good, that guy's good. Yes. And we're going to see some progression. Oh, we, we will definitely. We, we, you'd hope. We will definitely see that, which is probably on, on, ominous. Uh, the team which I'm going to be following this year, because I'm a glory supporter, will, uh, will be the Jags. However, I am thoroughly unimpressed with them. I'm kind of impressed, I'm kind of unimpressed. It's entertaining. Yeah. So, they're massive playboys. Yes. Uh, which I absolutely love. You know, they turn off their phones by shooting them, that kind of thing. Um, so that's cool. I'm not keen on this ultra offloading game. What's your view? It's very high risk for me. It is. Um, and I'm not sure how sustainable it is. Well, I'm going to say it's not sustainable. Yeah. Because they beat a terrible team in the Lions. No. Cheaters, sorry. Che- uh, and then they lost their last game. To the Using Sharks. exactly the same tactics, including... Uh, the very unusual tactic of getting too many yellow corded at the same time. I mean, yes. that is novel. That is, if you're going to try and win games, that's a difficult approach to take. Uh, so, I, d- I don't want to spend too much time on the on, um, on, on the Super Rugby because we've got more important, well, we've got less important things to address, such as the Pro 12. Well, the only thing I will say, the Brumbies, who were the other team I, w- I watched, uh, I said I thought they looked good last week. I think they looked very good and this week. They, they beat... Uh, the Hurricanes last week convincingly and they beat the Waratahs this week convincingly so Brumbies based on what I've seen so far uh, are my pick also the Lions seem to be doing some good things they, yes they went to went to the Chiefs and won yeah that's a good result but again all the Chiefs the Chiefs of last year or the year before maybe not maybe but, not maybe not maybe not um, I all agree with you on this which I think the Australian conference this year is going to wipe the floor with everybody 
Mm. Absolutely everybody. Brumbies looks superb. Warriors are strong. The other three you can take or take well, or leave. Reds have just lost their coach because he had, I think he had a 28% win. He took over the championship what? winning team in 2013. When did he just lost him? When did he go? Uh, he, he went today. today. What? Today or yesterday. How on earth do you let a guy get this far? Uh, yeah. Two games into the new season. Well, they, they deserve everything that they get then. Well, they got beaten comfortably at home by Western Force, so that's that's not a good sign. Now, the coach before this coach was Ewan McKenzie. Yes. I assume he doesn't have a job. Uh, yes, I'll go with that. Maybe. Maybe two and two together. There yeah. you go. Uh, someone's going to uh, email us now or tweet us saying, you guys have no clue about Super Rugby. <laughs> He's actually in charge of the Brumbies and doing a marvellous <laughs> job. I don't know. I don't pay attention. <laughs> Right, you mentioned the Pro 12. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I did, yes. Right, now just tell me the only result that, that matters uh, and how did Connacht do? Uh, I think you mean Ulster. No, who, I mean Connacht. Dominated, Everyone... dominated a tiny horse you can't even ride. <laughs> right, a t- tiny spineless horse whose main <laughs> form of defence is to hide among other spineless tiny horses. <laughs> Brilliant. Hide amongst barcodes. Yeah. Uh, they dom- we dominated them 32-0. Uh, but the the game you're referring to, Connacht travelled to Edinburgh. Uh-huh. Uh Not the easiest place to go. And won 28-23. Hear me now, believe me. The only team that matters, everyone else is some sort of, you know, franchise of the national team, self-entitled prima donnas playing in a rubbishy league, beating up on even more rubbish opposition like Zebra <laughs> or whoever it is. Connacht are the only team that actually matter in, in the Pro 12. So from now on... We'll do the Connacht score, we'll do the Connacht prediction, and then we'll just move on. 28-23. <laughs> Brilliant. And who have they got next game? Uh, they don't have a game next week because there's a rest week. That's the end of the Pro 12. What are your <laughs> predictions for uh, the Aviva this week, Philip? Well, before we do that, just one thing uh, worth mentioning. that we, we Of course, we did, we did yesterday. Um, did you see any of the Vegas Sevens? I saw none of it, weirdly. Fiji won. Uh, right, good. At the end, uh, in a good final against Australia. Mm-hmm. There's some good rugby played, but interestingly, there's a lot of kind of premium players, proper 15s players, who have okay. been drafted in to the sevens ahead of the Rio Olympics this year. Now, I have a question for you. Do you think this is a worthwhile pursuit for a national teams to go after their biggest 15 stars to play sevens? Uh, depends who it is. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, Habana and Hugard uh, for... South Africa. But Habana is like a 30-year-old winger who, yes, he's still very good, but is he the best sevens player in the world? Well, he looked quite good. He looked, he looked quite good. We'll see, but those two could be good examples. Sonny Bill and Liam Messam going for Crikey. New Zealand. I'm not so sure about. Um, well, what's Sonny Bill going to do? Prop or? Yeah, yeah. It uh, makes and, sense. and Liam Messam. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Uh, Quaid, Quaid Cooper and Henry Spate has been talked about for Australia. They could be two handy ones. Definitely Henry although, Spate. Although Quaid Cooper dropped the ball on the Fiji, uh, well, Fiji try line. Uh, and Fiji, you, Fiji went 100 metres to to score from it. I tell you what, um, if Australia wants to have a really exciting sevens team, pair up Joe Tamani with Quaid Cooper and you're either going to lose by 100 points or win by 100 <laughs> points. Uh, there's going to be nothing in between. Yeah. Well, so the question is, should GB do it? I... Do do anything? So it's uh, obviously uh, GB for the Olympics. So it's England, Scotland, Wales. Should be Northern Ireland, but I don't believe any of the uh, 
the Northern Irish um, Ireland players can because they're, they're contracted to the IRFU. Okay. Um, now, I would say this. For, fundamentally, sevens has changed beyond all recognition to just a smaller version of 15s. It is yes. not that. It's its own special sport. It deserves its own specialist uh, res- uh, respect in, in, you know, in, in that regard. Secondly, I think it's a young man's sport. I don't think there's much room for people who have been conditioned to play 15s and are coming back into it age 30. I, I think you need to be conditioned from the start and that's got to be your main sport for a couple of years on, on, on the circuit. So I'm going to be proved horribly wrong but I believe that the best thing the home nations could do is pick the guys that have been on the circuit for a long time. If you've got a Ben Gollins type, yeah, that is who you should pick. Yeah, and they've got a few. They've got like Dan Bibby, um, who's a bit of a playmaker. Mm. Um, I, there's a few players in the Premiership I would like to see, like Christian Wade when he played in the Premiership Sevens yeah. broke the try scoring record. And I think without much additional conditioning, he could be very, very handy. I think the players that you're going to find for the sevens are going to probably be from the English sides more than the Welsh sides or the Welsh national side. The reason I say that is, again, I'm kind of reinforcing the point I've just made, but it's conditioning. That Welsh team, there's not really a bags of of pace in there. Whereas I think you could probably go through the Aviva and find more suitable players than you could in the Pro 12. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's a few Scottish Scotland players who'd be interested, like Hog, Hog, Seymour oh. Bennett. I think Vissa, I, have I Vissa seen Hog play sevens? I'm sure I have. Oh yeah, in the Commonwealth. Oh yeah, uh, and I'm thinking of people in Wasps as well as people like uh, Elliot Daly, Elliot Daly, Robson Simpson, yeah, you know, yeah, really, uh, Gareth Davis, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. or Reese Webb. Uh, no, I think you should pick sevens players to play sevens. Hmm. All rugby league players because. Do you remember when Wigan won the Middlesex Sevens? Yes. And um, Sam Tonkins a few years ago said, well, it's not Rugby Union Sevens, it is Rugby Sevens. He's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. he is right. I mean, it's, it is based on Rugby Union, uh, but it is just Rugby Sevens. And th- there's no reason why Sam, Tom- Sam Tompkins, for example, or another Rugby League player couldn't play couldn't play that sport. Yeah, and also you've got to remember that when Wigan did win it, they basically bunch, uh, they basically beat a bunch of dentists. <laughs> you know, they were professional full-timers and yeah. well, they, you know, everyone else was everyone else. Yeah. So um, let's have our predictions and let's wrap this up. Sounds good to me. Okay. Uh, so we've already done the Six Nations, obviously. Premiership. Uh, let me just get it up. Come on, Phil. It's been so smooth until now. I know. Sorry. I know you don't want to do any editing. No, none. Uh, none. I, I, know, not, I, know I don't want to do it. I'm incapable of doing it. I know you're too much like Sebastian Bezzi to do any editing. Exactly right. So, Friday night, this will be an interesting game. Harlequins host Bath. So, both teams very poor form. Both teams losing players. Um, well, we've seen this game live in the flesh before without international players. And Harlequins won comfortably that's very very true we were there for the World Cup final when this was played in Bath I'm going to say Harlequins win again now Harlequins have lost Nick Easter since then Um, and on that day they had uh, Tim Viss who was playing very well who presumably will be called up to Scotland ah yes true so I'm actually going to say Bath um, even though they've been very poor form I think Harlequins are really struggling and watching like the nine ten, they've got. They started with Tito Tibaldi and Ben Botica, 
control in Tabaldi the game. is a surprisingly good... And it's a, it sounds uh, awful. He's a good player. He's okay. He's yeah. okay. But Danny Kerr's a much better player. The drop-off from uh, Danny Kerr and Nick Evans to Tito, Tito Tibaldi and Ben Bottica is enormous. Poor old Ben Bottica. Yes. And sandwiched between his dad and Nick Evans. Two all black <laughs> two legends. All, yeah, absolutely all black And legends. then there's Ben. Do you, do you reckon they give him loads of loads of crap all the time? Uh, his phone is full of texts from his dad and from Nick Evans. In fact, apparently they've got a WhatsApp group, just the three of them. <laughs> and they just bombard him with banter. <laughs> Poor Ben Botica. He's not in great shape as well at the moment. No, he's not, is he? Uh, so, yeah, I'm going for Bath. Okay, fair enough. Next one. Next one. Uh... Shall I do my team impression now? Hurry up, hurry up. Come on. Next one. <laughs> Who's it? Who's next, next one. Next one. Uh, Wasps. Host Leicester. Okay, wasps don't need to talk about that much. Uh, that much more. <laughs> uh, next one. Uh, so why wasps? Um, <laughs> you've not even picked wasps. I assumed you had. I am going to say wasps. Okay, Leicester did play well at times during that game. So we've done this podcast before. It, it is almost as if we have done this podcast before. But I'm going to go for wasps because when their big players are firing, Nathan Hughes, Christian Wade, Charles Piatau. They are virtually unstoppable, as Toulon found out. Yep, rightly so. I think you're right there. Uh, Northampton Sail Sharks. Uh, Sail Sharks for me, please. Sail Sharks away. Yeah, I believe so. I They're a different prospect at home. Here's, here's my thinking. They've done things the right way. They've got a solid set piece. They've got a great pack of forwards. And now they're adding the final ingredients, which is the pace in the backs and a bit of mm. back play. So, yes, Sail Sharks. Yeah, Addison and Sam James did look good. Sam James, great um, talent. Stringer as well. Stringer came off the bench. Strings. God, he's still in good shape. Yeah. You can see, I mean, he's only he's only tiny, he's not massive, but you can see every sinew on his arms and he legs. Doesn't need, I mean, he doesn't need to be in great shape, that's the thing, but he is. He's in superb, superb shape. Um, as is Mujati, obviously. You need to get him in, in and, the dungeon sooner rather than later. And Ostrakov is enormous. Bigger than me? Yes. What? Uh, he's 6, 7 and 19 stone. So about the same size? But it's, it's roughly similar. Okay. Roughly similar. Uh, but I'm going to go with Northampton. I think they're actually playing some good rugby at the moment. Fair enough. Exeter, uh, Newcastle? Exeter, one-way traffic. Okay, Worcester, Gloucester. This is interesting. Isn't it? I think Gloucester. I think Gloucester are on a real good run of form. They're playing some nice rugby. They're not losing a huge amount, of, a huge number of players. They'll lose Laidlaw. Uh, and... Well, Dean Ryan playing his old club. Yeah. Lots of ex-Gloucestermen in Worcester's uh, in Worcester's team. Well, yep. lots, maybe one or two. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I I'm gonna say Gloucester, but tighter than you think. And then 8 p.m. UK time, which I is three, is three p.m. Three p.m. Yeah, 3 PM yeah that makes US sense. time or East Coast time. London Irish host Saracens at the Red Bull Arena. In New Jersey, I'd be amazed if we make this. I'm going to be <laughs> literally be amazed if we get there. We'll we will definitely be there. Oh, we're, we're we're accredited media professionals. We can't get that drunk. Tim would be devastated if we don't make it. <laughs> I mean, like he's going to be. <laughs> I don't want to disappoint him. That's the thing. <laughs> no, he won't be angry. He'll be disappointed. We'll be okay. We'll be. We will. We will be there. Don't you worry about that. We will be there. Now, do you see? Can you? Can you? Can you give me a scenario? that would set up anything other than a Saracens victory? Um, can I? So, let's have a think about this. 
No, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, I'm I, really digging deep. Okay, maybe London Irish get a really early try. A really early try somehow. And then it rains like it's never rained before. <laughs> like, the, it just, the heavens open up. Um, it, it's a massive leveller. London Irish using um, Joffrey Claws. Yeah. Uh, put it up and under every time, just like Argentina in previous World Cups. They can test for it. Nothing happens. And they win by two points. And Saracens, they've predicted sun- sunshine. So they've only brought their moulded studs. So they're yep. sliding yep. around like they're on an ice rink. Oh, oh, oh. And also, one of the up and unders... Um, Good clatters into someone taking Good. a high ball. Oh, uh, uh, Alex, he won't be there. Okay, he'll be with England. So, fine. So Ben Ransom, yeah, clatters into red card. Red. Okay. Uh, now you're talking. Now we're talking. Um, they're trying to get back into the game. Uh, ruck time. Shout Brits smiling away decides to knock someone unconscious. Red card. <laughs> so smiley. So, so smiley. So, so violent. <laughs> Yes, I can see now. Just, just like an ex-lover. <laughs> um, now I can see. Now I can see. So that that's how I s- don't see it going, but that's the only yeah. score I, I can see. What do you think the score's going to be? Give me a score. Uh, 37-14 to Saracens. Fantastic. Well, uh, Put money on it. Take it to the bank. Take it to the bank. Well, thank you very oh, much. Well, one final oh. game. One f- what? What? Uh... Oh no! Sorry, that's it. Sorry, oh. apologies. I'm getting confused. How confu- dare you? I had, a, I had a segue all lined up, but I won't use it now. Uh, <laughs> You've used enough segues for one day, Jay. So next time you hear us, uh, we'll be joining our friend Tim in New York. We will be hopefully having a podcast out there. We might have a guest. We might not have a guest. We'll definitely have some sound clips, some some, um, some interviews. But until then, uh, I have been the Sebastian Beze of rugby <laughs> podcasting, uh, and. Uh, so yeah so goodbye from me and goodbye from me as well I guess yeah, uh, I think that's how he ends it isn't he Tim yeah something, I, I just normally switch off, switch off when Tim's doing his stuff yeah, I, I'm, he's I'm, so good at it and we see it so frequently that we can just kind of relax yeah if you ever doubt, um, uh, uh, doubted his value uh, today would be the time to reconsider so we'll speak to you next time from NYC goodbye bye Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.